and knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody. Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez, as the man said. Here for another edition of Poker Action Line, and uh, we're doing the show one day early. Of course, nobody knows the difference, really, what days we do the show, but... Uh, <laughs> but we do. <laughs> yeah, I like when I go back and hear it, I'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the show we did on the Tuesday. Okay, but uh, the World Series starting tonight as we uh, go on the air, and the NBA season kicking off underway, so a lot of stuff going on. Uh, yesterday, uh, the uh, WSOP Circuit concluded their event in uh, Hammond, Indiana, which is uh, outside of uh, Chicago. So big tournament there, and uh, Dylan Lindy was the winner of that one. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, uh, we'll uh, kind of uh, talk uh, November 9, because uh, we got just a week to go. Sunday night upcoming, we'll start the action. They'll play from 9 to 4, I guess is the way they're going to do it. Then Monday they'll come back and play down to 2, and then they'll finish things out uh, on Tuesday night. So... Uh, you got uh, Halloween night and the middle night of this uh, little event here, so uh, pretty crazy stuff. We'll see if there's any kind of costumes in the audience. I'm sure there will be. Uh, we had <laughs> a we had a panda bear last year running yeah, around right. the stage, that's so right. uh, uh, certainly looking forward to. But I know Joe, you got a chance to see a little bit of it here and there. Uh, I was working actually dealing, and I I, I miss seeing when Kasuf got knocked out. And actually, I wanted to see when he got crippled, and then eventually gets knocked out. Yeah, I guess uh, all the players that were there took great joy in his elimination in 17th place. Uh, as I had mentioned to you back during the summer, uh, at one point he was up to like 32 million chips. So you're talking about the leader right now well, going into November 9 at about 57 or something like no, that. No, Josephy, I believe, has 67 yeah, million. 67, 67 million, and I think million. second place is about 57, yeah, something so, like that. But, well, let me tell you, with the episode that I was watching the week before, you know, when it came down to they had they had been at 22, got a, got a, right before the show ended, they eliminated one person. So in that hour, hour and a half, only one person got eliminated, but that's obviously that same hour, hour and a right. half where he was annoying the hell out of everybody at the table. Yeah. But when they showed his chip count, you know, he was, I believe he was in third or second place yeah. at that point with 29 million chips. He had gotten up to 30-something million, but I think when the show ended, he was at 29 million, and I either put him in second or third place at that point. It's unbelievable. We really can't stop talking about this guy. He's the big discussion, and people are very polarized about this guy. Some people think... What he was doing was very entertaining. It was exciting and great. Uh, supported him. There were other people that thought it was some of the worst horrible behavior ever at a poker table. And uh, the main problem I have with it is that not really so much that he gets under people's skin, but that he takes so long to that, make these decisions on on kind of you know obviously plays. Exactly. And and obviously he has a plan based on that. Uh, as we heard him talk to his friend on the rail saying that he was going to upset these effing people to the point where they would donk off his chips to him. Now, to his credit, he never did it in an uh, antagonizing style of way of being just outright nasty to everybody. As a matter of fact, he tried to flip that switch and say, hey, they were trained calling me a clown and calling me names. You understand, you know, his, his behavior that annoyed the hell out of me 
was exactly what you just mentioned, Dave. That taking so damn long, it's what kills. It's what kills poker. Yeah. When it's televised, when it's an entertaining. Now, granted, if that was live, it'd be like like they like they've said before. It'd be like watching paint dry. Boring as hell to watch somebody like that, and rightfully so from the from the uh, his opponent's point of view. From my point of view, also is that it's extremely annoying. If I was there, I'd be calling the clock on him every single time. I would be looking to do that. Now that could be part of his strategy because he knows if you're calling the clock on him, you're you know that's all you're right. thinking right. about. Right. But you know, Jack Effel got upset with him. Already had already warned him, pulled him aside, and in, in that episode the week before. I just feel that the tournament director, especially with something that is just you know so big as the main event, that you've got to take control of this and tell these people, listen. I don't care whether you think it's fair or not. I'm going to impose some severe penalties on you if you don't start behaving like a normal person at these tables. Right. You understand? I don't care if they're quoting me the rules. Guess what? You know, rules are set for the integrity of the game, and if you are abusing, if you are abusing the rules, as tournament director, you know, I think he has the right to change them in midair. I don't give a damn what the rest of the poker community says. You're, you know, listen. We're trying to grow the game of poker to get corporate sponsorship, which would only mean more money for the for the players. Correct. Why allow somebody like this to to you know to get under everybody's skin and make it unwatchable? The only reason we knew it was watchable for me that it's watchable is because I wanted to take great joy in watching him get eliminated, you know, and see his reaction and his opponent's reaction, but. Just like last year when I didn't see the first day of the main event final, I can't forgive me, but I can't remember the name of the gentleman who was slowing the play down to, to where it was a crawl. But obviously somebody had a talk with him after that, after they got uh, down to wherever uh, they got down to. Avi Stern or something Whatever like it was, yeah. because he did not play that way the second day. You know, uh, and, you know, he got eliminated. I don't know if he was one of the first ones eliminated or not, but he did not play that style. So... Either the comments, you know, the, the social media comments that were made or somebody from the World Series of Poker said, hey, listen, you ain't going to ruin this for us by this type of play. You know, get moving or else we're going to penalize you. And I believe the tournament director should have that right. Well, I actually didn't see the, uh, the episode in which he got knocked out. It was the very end of the episode. I think it's called episode 15. Uh, there was a 90-minute show and then a one-hour show on Sunday night, and I was out of town. So it, they replayed it again on Monday, and I didn't realize it until the, the second episode was starting, which was the show where they went from 16 down to 9. So uh, it, he had just been knocked out at the end of the previous episode. Uh, everybody was talking about it. Gordon Veo, who was a really nice guy, uh, really is the guy I'm going to be pulling for to win, uh, said, you know, listen, I give this guy some credit because he went as far as he did because of his behavior. But he said at the end, he said he wasn't really affecting anybody because we were just over it by then. And uh, until the last hand, of course, that he got knocked out, there was a, a very heated exchange from what I heard between Kasuf and, and Griffin Benger, uh, who was in the November 9. When Benger knocked him out, had pocket aces, knocked out Kasuf with pocket kings. And I guess he tanked for like five minutes, and there was talk Griffin and argument. Tanked. No, Kasuf. Uh, and he went all in, and uh, Benjer turned over the pocket aces, and everybody was just absolutely thrilled. So this guy gets eliminated, 
And it was amazing how immediately the demeanor, the, the speed of action completely changed right after that. Of there course. were two tables left. Of course. You know, and, and, and that's the way the game should be played. I mean, these guys are all played the same amount of time that he did to reach that point there. And they're all telling you, you don't need to take. Listen. Are there certain hands that you have to stop and take four or five minutes to think about? Yes. Right. But not every single hand. And and that's what he was doing. He knew it was annoying the hell out of people. He was annoying the hell out of me, and I was just watching, <laughs> and I was just watching this. You know, and um, like I said, wh- whether he accomplished what he wanted to or not, but, you know, like you said, once once it was over. Now, what was the heated exchange? Because I didn't. Well, get a I got to see, see that. It. You know, I'm gonna. I did DVR it uh, for well, replay that's coming up on Saturday, I believe, the day before the November 9th starts when they replay the last couple of episodes. I didn't see a whole marathon uh, at all this week. Because I'd love NBA to know what he was starting. upset about. I'd love to know what he was upset about. You know. But uh, yeah, they'll uh, they'll. I'll check that out next weekend when I'm. That, when I'm, that might have been him steaming from the few hands. I that think he, so. That he led had up a, to him. There was the eliminated. big hand that you said you saw a part of. I think he had ace queen and someone else. Uh, I saw him. I was as I was dealing cards uh, Sunday night. I saw the hand that he was thinking about, and he had ace jack, and his opponent. I I didn't see who it was had aces, but you know, speaking of Vio that that you mentioned, Gordon Vio. Uh, Vio yeah. Excuse yeah. me, Veo. It was funny because while I was in the break room and I was hoping that that elimination would come up, but it didn't. <laughs> they had just knocked out the guy in nineteenth place, to, so they were going to two tables. And when they did that, um, Veo was the was the shortest stack out of the eighteen. And when I got to see when I got to see a, another hand, it was him eliminating uh, the eleventh place uh, person who came in eleventh place. And he had jumped up to 40-something million in chips. So I don't know what he did between 18 and, and getting to the 10th spot, but he must have been just, you know, getting hit with the deck, I guess, I would imagine. Well, the comment uh, by Benger, I guess, to him was that uh, the, the thing I read said uh, that Benger actually turned his speech play against him, calling him rude, mean, a verbally abusive bully, and possibly even goading him into what in the end was probably an inevitable shove with an inferior hand. There you go. Well, good. He got a little taste of his own medicine, I guess. So, well, listen, I can't wait to see it. I I tried to see if I could find it on demand today, and I couldn't find that episode. So, Well, we'll check it out. Uh, certainly, uh, it's kind of been, uh, you know, a boon for, uh, for ESPN to have something interesting. I think maybe even they carried it a little too far. Uh, Norman Chad had a lot of good things to say about uh, Kasuf. Uh, but when it comes right down to it, uh, this article that uh, Martin Derbyshire wrote on uh, Poker Action or Poker News, I should say, uh, says, uh, "Is is he the newest celebrity now in the world of poker, or is he just a one-hit wonder?" He said, "I know he made the Poker Podcast round uh, as this run on the air uh, went on TV, but uh, he said, will the media attention dry up now that it's over?'" Will he be all over the circuit, making deep runs in big events and challenging the rules on speech play around the globe? Will he spawn a legion of followers who try to emulate his vocal style on their attempts to book big scores? Only time will tell. Well, you remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe five, six, seven years ago, you know, we had the the, the people acting out, jumping up, the the big emotions at Uh the table, and, you know, throughout. And, you know, the majority of the people didn't like that. You know, they were kind of, you know, trying to become the new star. This was before Black Friday and all of that. 
And the WSOP took control of that for the following year, and we haven't seen that. Right, right. So I, I know that uh, uh, Havad Khan uh, it got some penalties back then, the Italian kid that was running around the room. Uh, exactly. After he won it. You know, that's what you're talking about, I know. Uh, you know, there has to be a happy medium, just like the NFL, which you have one side of people that thinks you should be able to do just about anything you want. You have that call the NFL the no-fun league, and then you got the other people that want it very strict and uh, no no uh, celebrations and that sort of thing. So somewhere there's a middle ground here, just like in the NFL. They haven't been really well, smart enough to find out what it is. We'll see if the me, poker world Let me ask you now. something. Do you enjoy, I don't know about you, but I enjoy listening to Daniel Negrano's style of play on the table. Right. And he's talking to the people. Yeah, and he's not Corey being Zeidman nasty. He he's here. not taking forever to make a move. He's trying to get an angle, and it makes it interesting. At least it's always made made me very interested in watching it, trying to see if I can learn something from the information he's trying to get from some of these people. Right. You know, and, he, and again, the limited amount that I've seen on TV um, has been entertaining for the most part. Right. It hasn't been confrontational. It hasn't been something where it's been nasty. It's been enjoyable. Something along those lines would be great. You know, a show of emotion when someone either gets, obviously, either gets beat with a one-outer or wins with the one-outer, that's understandable. You know, that that's part, part of, of that's part, part of game. human emotion. But, you know, when you're You don't want to rub it in. It, when you're rubbing it in on every yeah, single exactly. play that you win, you know, like, like, like in the NFL when you've got these people just getting in, in the defensive back. The wide receiver gets paid to catch a ball and catches a ball and is just rubbing it in the face of the defensive back. You know, to me, it gets old. That, yeah. that, that gets very old. Excitement in poker, yeah, you hit a one-outer, you're excited, you know, you could celebrate that. And, and even that, it's up to a certain point, you know, well, even I, that. Again, I go back to the NFL and, and compare them with some of the rules. You know, you don't like to see Odell Beckham Jr. rip his helmet off and cost almost cost his team the game. But on the other hand, you know where he's coming from because... He takes his helmet off. He's got the blonde uh, dyed hair on the top, and he's on commercials and everything, making one-handed catches in uh, in warm-ups. And, I mean, he's creating a brand for himself and making huge dollars. So uh, you understand why he's doing it. You don't want to cost your team a game, but there needs to be some restrictions on uh, the unsportsmanlike behavior that, that kind of bleeds over. Yeah, well, like you said, he's trying to make a brand and trying to make a name for himself, but if he starts costing his team games... You know, his teammates are going to have a little talk with him in the locker room. I guarantee you, not to mention the, 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 the coach and the GM and the owner of the team. You know, it's fine to brand yourself, you know, but when it's, when it's at the cost of your teammates and your team, it, 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 you know, it, it becomes hard to swallow, right. okay? And in poker, we don't have that. So if it becomes hard to swallow and you're affecting maybe getting corporate dollars involved in this down the road, you understand because they enjoy the product that the majority of the people enjoy the product. You know, I, I listen as a former manager. I have no, you know, poker manager. I don't have no problem barring somebody from playing in my tournament or playing in my room. Well, we, of course, we're friends with Stacy Madison. That uh, really the first confrontations that brought uh, Kasuf to the public's knowledge and and uh, and view were uh, on day five, and and there was that period before. The shows actually aired. We had Stacy on again after the shows aired, and we talked to her a couple of times. Uh, it's just one of those things that uh, 
Uh, it does create celebrity in a certain way, and you, and you just but wonder. It's, but it's but very brief. It's very brief unless you no, have continued exactly. success. No, exactly. And I guess I, ha- I haven't seen all the shows uh, down the stretch. Uh, I'm going back and watching them now, and uh, it'll be after the November 9 is over that I finally catch up and get the whole picture. But I guess uh, from people that I've talked to that he just completely was out of control and after a while just was so irritating and obnoxious that uh, uh, you know it's like that commercial uh, for the I think it Axe Spray yeah. uh, when you're saying something and they said you, sometimes you just got to know when to shut up well listen he, he, he reminded me of the, the little kid who always says I'm not touching you I'm not touching you I'm not touching you <laughs> it just becomes annoying you know it's cute at first and then it becomes extremely annoying and he just knew that he was getting under that I'm just sorry. You know, he kept citing the rules. You understand? Well, guess what? I'm going to make an amendment to those rules. And, you know, if you piss off a few people, you piss off a few people. But guess what? You need to do what's best for the game. And what he was doing was not best for the game. It might be great TV now for ESPN once they edit it. Okay, but trust me, that ain't going to be good for the game once the, once the action becomes semi-live when it's on a half-hour uh, feed delay. Okay, I did want to mention a couple of tournaments coming up uh, here in South Florida. They are playing the main event uh, starting on Friday, uh, Thursday uh, at the Isle Casino. They will have three uh, opening days, opening sessions, and uh, they will play through the 31st uh, for the, it's called their Isle Open main event. And that starts here down in South Florida. The World Series of Poker Circuit uh, finished up uh, at uh, the tournament on Monday. And uh, we'll now move to a place I just got home from, uh, Reno, Nevada, which is uh, near the California-Nevada border on the north side of Lake Tahoe. And uh, what a beautiful place. had a tremendous trip there. uh, Worked on a football game for ESPN on Saturday night. And uh, got a chance during the day, since it wasn't uh, till 7.30, Got up in the morning, and we drove down up to the mountains first, uh, went to the top of Mount Rose where there was snow on the ground, and took a couple shots. Uh, 8,911 feet was the uh, uh, elevation there. Then you go down the mountain into toward the lake, and on the way down, I stopped at a golf course there that was just absolutely beautiful at Le- Incline Village, and ended up on the shore of Lake Tahoe and actually... Uh, put a toe in the water and uh, got a a chance to see one of the great sights here in this country. But uh, now the uh, World Series of Poker Circuit heads there, and they'll play there at Harvey's in Tahoe. And, uh, you know, I I can't wait to go back. I said to myself, if I'm ever free and I have the money to do so, I would like to live there. (laughs) I really It's a beautiful area, huh? Yeah, Yeah, I have not had a chance to get up there. 68 degrees during the day, went down to 44 at night. And, of course, you know, it's not like that all year round. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just that there's it's such a beautiful drive all over the place to come down the mountain and, and, and wind down back through into the valley. It's just incredible. And uh, uh, I have to say, you know, I make a lot of trips with ESPN to go different places, and this was one of the tops of my life. Excellent. I'm glad you had fun there, man. I did. And it was a good game to And, to and we had a good game, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Went down to an onside kick. Uh, that was recovered by Nevada, down by eight points, had a chance to tie the game, and then on the second play, I think of the series, last series, they were intercepted, and Wyoming hung on for the win. Anyway, that was uh, that was on ESPN two uh, at uh, 10:45 Eastern time, I guess, on 
started on uh, Saturday night. But uh, just a great trip and uh, always looking forward to the next one. Uh, but we will uh, follow the uh, World Series of Poker Circuit. And, of course, the Isle Casino uh, Tour tournament will be this weekend. When I get back, I'm going to try to catch the end of that one. And then when we move into November down here in South Florida, we have the next circuit event, which is after Tahoe, will be coming here to South Florida, Palm Beach Kennel Club, uh, 12 rings in 12 days, starting November 10th, play through the 21st. So uh, that should be a lot of fun, and certainly we'll have uh, plenty of uh, great excitement and that sort of thing. And then uh, the... uh, Seminole Hard Rock has their Rock and Roll Poker Open, which starts on the 16th and ends on the 30th. So still a lot of great stuff happening. Uh, After that, if things slow down a little for the holidays, I know that uh, there is one WPT Tour event uh, out in Los Angeles, the Five Diamond Classic, uh, starts on December 5th. So... Uh, things do slow down tournament-wise, but and then of course when we get to January, you're, you know it you're starts here in the, the Bahamas and Australia. Exactly, and, you know and, uh, it, it kind of really picks up after they let you enjoy your your holidays. Yeah, absolutely. So always something to talk about. Uh, certainly, we'll look forward to uh, the television uh, uh, broadcast on a half-hour delay this weekend. I think it starts at five o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Eastern Time on ESPN, and then. Uh, We'll finish the broadcast on uh, on Monday and Tuesday. So uh, this is kind of the end of the year. You know, it would have been great to see. Uh, you know, last year we had Negreanu go to 11th place. Oh my goodness! And I was just thinking of how well Jason Mercier was playing mm-hmm. and how great it would be to have seen him make a run toward the final table. You had Tom Marchese and you had a couple other big names that made it pretty deep. But uh, again, we're going to have a lot of guys that we're not all that familiar with. Uh, who are you going to be pulling for? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, listen, I, I, <laughs> I'm in my 50s, so I'm going to be pulling for the 50-year-old man, yeah. the chip leader. I, I guess I guess that you can call it. I'll be pulling for the chalk there for Cliff he Joseph. He seems like a great guy. But he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. The things they've done on his family and the success that that man has had. Uh, listen, I've the little that I've seen him on TV, I've enjoyed him. And uh, I think I would have reacted the same way to Kasuf that he has. And he's been nice because he only called him a clown. I think I would have called him something else myself. But <laughs> Well, here's uh, what the final table looks like. I do want to run that down for you. I do have the chip counts here. Uh, seat one is Griffin Benger, who is a uh, commentator for the Global Poker League, as does uh, color commentary on some of those broadcasts. He's from Toronto, Canada, and he has 26 million chips. Uh, in seat two from the Czech Republic is Wojtek Ruzicka, 27.3 million. Fernando Pons from Spain is in seat three. He is the short stack at 6.15 million. In uh, seat four, and I, you didn't get to see the last show, but Kui Nguyen, uh, who is originally from uh, Vietnam, from Saigon, and he now lives in Las Vegas, he has 67.29 million. He is the second in chips. He is in seat four. Directly to his left is Cliff Josephy, uh, who uh, a lot of people know as Johnny Bax, uh, because he's a backer from way back in uh, the day. Uh, he has he is the chip leader with 74.6 million. Then Michael Ruan, who's kind of a quiet guy that looks from like a very Hoboken, good player. Hoboken from uh, right next where I love Hoboken. I lived right next to it. Absolutely, he has 31.6 million chips. Seat seven is Gordon Veo. Uh, 49.375 million chips. Kenny Hallert from Belgium is in seat eight. He is actually a tournament director in Belgium. 
and he has 43.3 million. And then Jerry Wong, who lives now in South Florida, is uh, originally from uh, New York, I believe. Uh, he has 10.175 million chips. So he's he the shortest the stack. Second, second shortest. Second shortest stack. Anyway, he's the guy who lives down here now. I did talk to him uh, and wanted to interview him for the show, which he he did not want to do, which I certainly understand, but. Uh, uh, he has had a good uh, fall since the World Series out there and has been playing well. Uh, but, you know, what do you say about the two short stacks? Do they have a chance to uh, double up and get uh, back into it? Well, you know, uh, Veo is, is the same, you know, is, is, is all I have to look at. When they were down 18, he had something like 3 or 4 million chips and look at where he's at right now. Eight positions later, he's at forty-nine million, sitting what third place? I think in chip count, third yeah. or fourth. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely you you've got to double up. I don't remember what the blinds are at, but I'm sure they're 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 sitting with uh, less than than ten big blinds. Uh, the short stack for sure. So he'll be picking a hand very very quickly in the tournament, at the start of the tournament, to try to push and hopefully double up. And uh, um, Wong may have to do the same thing himself with $10 million. In the show that I saw on uh, Sunday night, or actually Monday night, uh, the replay, uh, it started with 16, went down to 9. I mentioned that. Right before that, uh, the two of the guys that got a lot of TV time were Kasuf and Andrew Christoforu. Uh, he was that bald guy that uh, was kind of an interesting player. He went out in 18th and Kasuf in 17th. So they got to the final 16. Uh, first one out was Jared Blesnick, uh, who actually was uh, had a temporary ban from the WSOP this summer uh, for some uh, bad behavior, uh, but was brought back in and able to play the main event. He was out in 16th. Michael Nowinski uh, really made a name for himself. Such a nice guy. His uh, sister and his, his father were there. And uh, first time ever in the uh, in the main event and uh, finished in 15th place. We'll see plenty of him, I know, in the near future. Uh, Tom Marchese, probably the best-known player that was left, got knocked out in 14th. Uh, James Opst, who was the chip leader for uh, quite a bit of, of the late action, uh, got knocked out. By the way, Marchese got to had Jack-10 suited and happened to run into Kui Win, who had Ace-King suited. And the, the worst hit the board. The flush hit the board on the river, and was the worst card that, that Marchese could have possibly had. Uh, and when he went all in, of course, uh, Win wasn't going anywhere. So, uh, Win actually knocked out uh, three consecutive players in a row to get it down close to the final table. But James Opes uh, finished in 13th. Uh, Mike Shin was 12th, and then the final two knocked out John Sin. I think you saw some of that hand. He had uh, Queen-10, went up against Veo with uh, Ace-King. Uh, the flop had a king and a queen, so they both uh, paired, but uh, that was it. And he got knocked out in 11th. And uh, the short stack that uh, turned out to be the bubble boy was uh, uh, Joseph Weiss, I guess is his uh, first name. I'm not sure of the first name, but uh, uh, Weiss finished in 10th place, uh, just got blinded away and had like two big blinds left when he finally got it all. Yeah, he was hoping to make it to that million dollar payday. <laughs> Josh Weiss. Josh Weiss said he couldn't name. find he couldn't find a couldn't find a hand to push it in or get somebody else eliminated. Yeah, finally he uh he got it in and had two callers, Michael Ruan and Gordon Veo. Uh, let's see. Weiss had eight 
uh, Ace Eight offsuit, and uh, Ruan had Jack Five. Veo had Queen Seven. There was a Seven on the flop. There was also a Jack on the flop, and then a Five on the turn. So Ruan uh, wins was the, the hand. Two pairs. Won the hand, knocked him out. So that was the end of the night. And uh, three months go by, and uh, now we'll get back at it here on Sunday. So Actually, f- almost four almost months. Almost four months. You're almost right. Almost four months. You're right. So. Absolutely. So we'll look forward to it. Uh, certainly talk about it next week when we're back on the show. And, uh, you know, maybe get a couple of these people on the air sometime this fall. I'm That'd sure they're tired nice. of talking about it. But once you win 8 or $5 million or $3 million or whatever it is, that's uh, certainly something that you probably want to talk about a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I would say. Let's hope so. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, let's take our first break on the show. We'll talk uh, about Gulfstream Park, uh, which is right down the street now from your new place of employment. And uh, uh, I guess uh, you can't contribute too much to these commercials because uh, uh, certainly, uh, you know, you're going to be uh, looking for business. Well, the thing, thing is I can't play where I deal, so I well, still exactly. go and enjoy myself at Gulfstream. Exactly. Well, it's located in the south part of, Brother- of Broward County, just north of the Dade County line. It's in Hallandale Beach. 901 South Federal Highway is the address in Hallandale Beach, and it's located in between 95 and the beach. It's very easy to get to, and uh, just a beautiful place with uh, lots of action and lots of fun. Slot machines on two different floors in the uh, grandstand clubhouse uh, setup, and also horse racing uh, throughout the year right now. They're still racing over at Calder, which is uh, known as Gulfstream West. And, of course, we have the the great uh, village of Gulfstream Park, which is uh, for dining dancing, bowling, uh, food, everything uh, is great. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really a and fun aren't time. aren't they building a very expensive karaoke? They place? are. Uh, it's an Israeli group is bringing that in, uh, something like a $1.5 million facility that's going to have karaoke uh, located in the old uh, spot where uh, uh, Playwrights Pub used to be on the second floor there across from the... Uh, uh, grandstand. So, uh, anyway, we invite you to check it out. It's located, as I said, in the southern part of Broward County. So, if you're coming down from Palm Beach, very easy. Take 95 down, cut over on Hollandale Beach Boulevard. Or if you're coming up from Dade, very easy as well. You can take uh, um, Ives Dairy Road or any of the, the thoroughfares that head over toward the beach and then go north on uh, US 1, which is known, also known as Federal Highway. So, check it out. Give them a call if you have any, need any information about what's going on there. 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. 
And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit. And much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. This is Alice Cooper for RADD. There's a lot of things we have no control of in this world, but that's not the case with drunk driving. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Think ahead and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives on, and so should you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe. Joe's back working again, uh, working over at uh, the casino at Dania Beach, which is uh, formerly known as Dania Highlight. But they have the poker room there. Very nice no- new uh, rebuilt poker room. And uh, you started dealing this week, and I just wanted to uh, talk briefly about uh, uh, how it was for you. You've been out of the business uh, being working in a room for, I guess, uh, maybe two and a half years, something no, like that. No, like we're longer? going closer to four. Closer to four, wow. Closer to four. Well, of course, you started as a dealer. Uh, you uh, worked at several different places. You've taught dealers how to how to get into the business including one that started the same night as I did there I Stacey didn't know he was started no oh, well no 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 I'm saying at Dania now yeah I was helping uh, George Lopez and Jose Rodriguez's Ace of Spades school and I uh, I helped get him ready for his audition which he passed and I didn't know he was starting the same night I was oh, last wow. Friday Who, who's which one his name is Odme Odme yeah but anyway you uh you worked your way up to running a room. You were a poker room director, or director of poker operations at uh, Miami High Life for many years. And, uh, of course, things have uh, suffered there in the uh, High Life business. So, uh, as a result, uh, the card rooms have gone down there in the area. And uh, Dania is the last highlight to have a card room here. Yes, they locally. are. Yes, of course, they, they do up in Fort Pierce and Nocala and places like that. But as far as the paramutuals here, there's a tremendous amount of competition. Uh, you walked into this new job the other night, and tell us a little bit about what it was like for you to be sitting uh, at that table. Uh, first of all, what kind of uniform are you putting on? It's, uh, it's a dark black shirt, very comfortable, to be honest with you, much more comfortable than the, the tuxedo shirts and the bow ties that, that, that my dealers had to wear when we first started. It uh, you know wasn't my choice, but uh, but but what the management wanted back then, uh, it was kind of the standard in the industry too, you know. So much more comfortable. The uniforms are much more comfortable. For me, it was great uh, on two different levels, Dave. Because when I walked in there, I'd say about 35% of the staff at Dania. Uh, are people that used to work under me at Miami High, right? Okay. Uh, And so... Including brushes and that sort of thing? uh, Well, uh, not the young ladies who are brushing there now, but uh, one of the supervisors, uh, Mike Calazuri, 
another who was Pablo Pelota at one point. Yes, you know yes, yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, Pedro Vasquez, who was a supervisor under me, I hired him as a supervisor. Uh, was is a dealer there. Another gentleman who just almost brought tears to my eyes, to be honest with you, because of the the things he said about me to a bunch of the new people that I had not met before, um, that I had hired him as a domino supervisor because he wasn't quite ready to be a dealer. Okay. But I had promised him that if he took the job, I'd work with him, and I would give him an opportunity. And he, in no small part, mentioned that to everybody there, how I made him a dealer and that, you know, he is where he is now because of me. And uh, he was very emotional about it and almost got me very emotional about it. So... A lot of people there, a couple of other dealers that I that worked under me, uh, that I hired at Miami Highlight also worked there. So in that respect, I was so happy to see that everybody was so happy to see me. Well, you walk in here on your first night, and it would almost be insulting for people to uh, explain to you what you need to do because you've been involved. But every room is a little bit different, has some specific rooms. What did they talk to you about before you started to kind of prepare you for uh, They treated me night? like a break-in dealer, which is what they're supposed to do. Okay, which is what they were supposed to do, and uh, guess what? If you were a leader before... What, kind of like hold the deck in this no, hand? No, 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 not and that <laughs> simple, not that simple, because they knew I didn't take the, the, the... Yeah, listen, I'm sure they knew who I was, because the people who knew me there told them. But I didn't go in there with any, you know, expectations of being treated differently. I didn't want to be treated differently. Listen, bring me in there. The the general, the, the new poker room manager asked me, "Oh, are you ready to deal Palim at Omaha?" And I said, "Yeah, whenever you think you can, whenever you think I'm ready to give me a shot at it, go ahead." I said, "So have you dealt that before?" And I said, "Yeah, I've dealt it before." I said, "I haven't dealt." I was honest with them. I told them I haven't dealt in 22 years. But you see that young man who's dealing it right now? I got him ready for his audition for you guys a few days ago. So, <clears throat> like I said, I I just. You know, I'm a dealer now, which is what I've asked to become. That's, you know, I've, I love going back to my roots. Just tell me what table i got to go to. Uh, besides seeing so many people that, that worked under me and, the, you know, the, the way I was treated, the hugs I received from these, from these people, was also a lot of old Miami Highlight customers were at the tables. So well, they recognized you. They right recognized away. me right away. Uh, one person didn't. One person didn't. To this day, I don't think he knows that it's me yet. But uh, he's he, he's a he's he falls in the William Kasuf uh, uh, part of uh, speech play. You know, so uh, being ag- and antagonizing is more or less the thing. He's not a slow player, but he loves to get under people's skin. But he hasn't recognized me yet. The few times I've dealt at his table, I I called him by his first name. Everyone knows him by a nickname that he has. But I called him by his first name, figuring he'd know who I was. But no, it was so nice to have people telling other customers, oh, my God, he was the manager over at Miami Highlight. Oh, my God, he's one of the original 12 dealers to deal poker in the state of Florida the first night it was open. And, you know, there, it was so nice having so many people sing my praise, and it actually got me a little embarrassed. And, you know, I wish I could tell you I was 100% on, but I wasn't. Uh, I was trying to go a little too quick and made a, a few minor mistakes. Thank God there was nothing major. Um, what was your feeling when you walked up to the table, tapped out the uh, previous dealer, and then uh, she or he gets up, you take your seat? Uh, butterflies? Are you nervous no, at all? No, I wasn't. Or I, are you listen, just completely excited? I have never, 
ever been nervous dealing, ever. I can honestly tell you I've never been nervous dealing. I've always had a tremendous confidence in myself. When I first started in this in this industry, there wasn't very few, if, if, if more than one or two, who could deal better than I could at that time. That's no longer the case. <laughs> That's no longer the case. There are a lot of tremendous dealers out there, but I was always very confident in myself. I was more nervous, not in my in, in, in that I didn't want to make a mistake. Right. And how about uh, physically with your pitching and uh, after cards you and know that what it, it's it's you know the old saying it's like riding a bicycle yeah. you never forget you you know muscle memory just takes a little while. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think the second day that I was there, I got a lot of you know probably got about three hours, three and a half hours that Friday of dealing time, maybe actually closer to four. So by the last hour, you know, things were coming out a lot smoother. Um, day two, which was Saturday, it was better. So, and I think Sunday, even though I didn't get to deal a whole lot, it went very smooth. You know, and unfortunately, I <laughs> sliced my middle finger on my left hand. I'm, I'm a right-handed dealer, so I pitch with my right hand. But I had to kind of hold the deck a little differently than I would have. So that slowed my... my uh, my progress a little bit, but it's, like I said, I've had this happen to me before, so it was just a matter of adjusting and, and readjusting my hands. Did you evaluate the the play, the quality of play, take a look at, uh, notice that at all, or were you just completely concentrating on doing the job and not really uh, uh, taking that in at all? No, I I was just dealing the cards. Now, as a dealer, you can't help but notice the play. And I was constantly reminded because there was one particular gentleman in a 2-4 limit game <laughs> that I gave him four pots, and all four pots he won on the river. He was trailing badly on uh, going to the river and won all four pots on the river. And he pushed it all. He, well, he didn't push all in, but he kept raising with, uh, with the worst hand and somehow getting there on the river all the time. I do remember one particular hand when I was dealing it down in, in one of their tournaments that um, it was pocket eights against an ace-queen. I flopped an ace for the gentleman who was all in. And uh, on the river, I put up an eight, and the guy in C5 kept saying, I folded an eight, so you caught the case eight. You caught the case eight. You know, so just back to seeing what you see on the tables what you know people see it on TV i was seeing it live having been away from the uh, rooms for 4 years did you uh have any evaluations on the total quality of play or you know was was were you affected by that one gentleman who obviously got lucky a few times uh <laughs> do you think that poker in south florida has changed from that point of view well i didn't get to see a large enough sample yet right. to to be able to make that comment uh, you know, at Dania, they have a uh, the pot limit Omaha game. Uh, the action was was pretty strong on that table. It's an invitation game for the most part, and five thousand dollar, I believe, minimum buy-in. So there's a lot of money on that table. Um, got to deal only a half hour on that table, but uh, you know, the play was pretty solid there. And then I saw on the 2-4 limit game, which is where I gave a high hand on Sunday, and, and I'm very grateful. The gentleman tipped me very nicely on his uh, prize. Uh, he tipped me $50 on a $450 high hand that he wow. won. So, But the same things that were happening 
at my place, you know, when I was the manager, that the two four limit players are usually just chasing the the high hand. They're not really interested in playing poker. They're interested in getting the minimum amount that's a, that has to be in the table for them to qualify for a high hand. Okay. And then, you know, I don't want to say slow it down, but that's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're, I don't, you know, in some places it's called collusion. They're they're kind of checking it down, trying to see if somebody gets lucky and and happens to run into a high hand, you know. Uh, so. And from that standpoint, it's the exact same thing that I had to go through. And I even suggested uh, at a meeting that we had yesterday morning, my very first meeting already. These are the meetings I used to call early in the morning. Now I have to attend it. Um, I got tired of that in the, two, in, the, in the limit games. And I told them, I said, well, just make it that the pot has to be $20. They're making it that they have to have a 10 because the $2 jackpot rake is taken at $10 a Dania. I used to tell them, listen. It has to be, you know, it has to be a minimum of $20. The house has to take two and the jackpot has to be two. And, yeah, I caught a lot of resistance at Miami Highlight, but eventually that, you know, they they came to accept it because of the amount of money that I was offering. You know, they don't have, right now at Dania, you don't have that amount of clientele there. So, it's a really tough catch-22 situation. Did you uh, have any problem remembering to uh, pull out the rake? Uh, and yes, stuff like I did. That? Yes, I did. That uh, that was probably my biggest problem. Um, there were hands where I did not did not take the jackpot or did not properly take the whole rake. I probably would say from the weekend I probably had about seven or eight hands that that occurred. And then there was a. And then few, what do you do? What happens? Well, there's nothing you can really do. You don't. Yeah. You don't realize it until. Do players know, notice that? A lot of oh, them don't. Oh, I'm sure they do, and they're never going to say anything. Yeah, obviously, right, right. no one's ever going to say, "Oh, take some money out of my pocket, <laughs> please." So, yeah, that that that, you know, they. I know they noticed it because it's funny because one of the things I used to always tell my dealers, Dave, uh, when we were raking dollar, you know, getting to the dollar, I used to tell them we used to rake. A um, dollar on ten, two on twenty, so on until fifty. Now most places have gone down to where mine was at forty-four. I was taking five, and Dania's at forty-five. You're taking the five. But when it was one on ten, I used to tell my dealers, if you don't think the players are are paying attention, and I've tried this with at least twenty-five dealers, and not one has ever missed. I've wagered them. I've given them ten to one, ten dollars to one dollar, and I've never had to pay the ten dollars because I told them. When you get a pot that you get to thirty-eight, thirty-nine, take four dollars. Take four dollars. Mm-hmm. I go, and if before you get, before you have to rake the pot again, okay, tell me if somebody didn't say, "Are you sure there's forty dollars in that pot?" And not once has it ever failed. Not wow. once. Not once has See, it ever failed. Yeah, I would never failed. notice that. Okay, yeah. It, when, when as long as I've been in this business. And I've done it just to prove it to some people. I said, let me sit in there. I'm going to do it. As soon as I get a pot that's $38, $39, I'm going to put $4. I'm not going to say anything. And then I'm going to say, oh, I apologize, sir. I thought there was 40 I knew there was 39 there. But I did it just to show it to people. And it just happens every single time. You mentioned the tip that you made. And uh, I'm pretty curious. Uh, of course, it is your business. And if you want to tell me to go jump in Lake Tahoe, uh, <laughs> I would certainly understand. But uh, in the first couple of nights that you worked there, is it uh, 
Is it as lucrative as you remember? Are you going to be able no. to make some decent money there? It's kind of slow not there, right so now. you may no, not get listen, the, uh, if you the have, uh, downs. Put it this way, Dave. If you have the downs, you know, if the business was there and you're working an hour and a half of dealing and a half hour off, an hour and a half of dealing and a half hour off, and an eight-hour shift, you should deal six hours, okay? In those six hours... Without giving out a high hand, even there, you're going to make 200 bucks for the day. Yeah. You're going to make 200 bucks for the day. Some days you'll make a little more. Some days you'll make $20 less. Another day you'll make $10, $20 more. But you should average right around $200. should be averaging 30 to $35 an hour, you know, between your two half-hour pushes. One, one table. You and how get. long was your shift? Well, Friday I was scheduled at 5. I'd let I, you're allowed to punch in seven minutes early, so I punched in at 4:43. Uh, Coincidentally, I punched out at 11:50. I, I got in um, at 12:53. Excuse me. I, I got in exactly eight hours on Friday. Saturday, I worked maybe four and a half hours. Same thing on Sunday. They sent you home because yeah, there wasn't I mean, business. yeah. Listen, there wasn't. There's too many dealers. Not enough business at this moment. Yeah. That's what they're working on. Well, uh, it's there's still a new manager October. that's come in, uh, took over for a very good, you know. The uh, fellow who hired fellow, you. fellow who hired me, who I had trained 19 years ago. He's, you know, Elio Molina. He's a great guy, um, you know, but uh, he made a decision for his family to go back to Magic City where he came from much closer because he lives actually a few blocks from where I live right now. So it's a long hike for him, and... You know, it's, it, it's difficult. I keep telling people it's difficult to be a manager. Are you going to uh, mind driving uh, from up from South Dade, uh, the Kendall area? It's uh, probably 40 miles, right? 37 and a half miles. Okay. So we're very close. And you going to mind doing that? Well, listen, I'm I'm hoping that I'm getting in on the ground floor of, of something big for them. It's starting to grow. If, if, it, if it, you know, unfortunately, you know, you have a family, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, this grows, and if it does, winter season, tour season, still to come. You know, and you're in on the ground floor. You know, you'll get better shifts. You know, um, the funny part in this business, Dave. I don't know if they're having the same scenario at Dania. I'm assuming they will, uh, more so because there's not that business there. But at my place, where there was, you know, you're making very good money. My dealers who worked there, who saw me, go, damn, Joe. You know, with you. The, you know, a bad day was a $200 day. Yeah. You understand? Even then, I was probably getting eight, somewhere between 8 and 12% of my staff was turning over every three or four months. Yeah. So, for whatever reason, so that being the case, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not expecting to see the same faces I've seen this past week. And when I started, not to see all of these guys there, say, two, three months from now, if I'm still there. Now, if the situation doesn't improve, you know, I have well, to it's sit, improve. I have to sit down. After Thanksgiving. I, I, I would imagine they would. They, the place is beautiful. They, you know, the Omar, the, the new manager, has, you know, put forth some things yesterday in the meeting of what they want to do to help this place grow. So, you know, yes, you know, but we've always mentioned on this show, you know, Dania is in the lion's den of yeah, all lots the poker of rooms. Nearby, no and, you know... They have to approach this from a different point of view to get people. You know, either you're going to go out there and try to, to, to 
Entice them to come because of your high hands. Your cus- customer service is always number one. You always have to treat the people the right way. You've got to make them feel special on the tables. There, there was a big tournament on Friday night, the night you started, right? The Dania they, Cup? Right. They do, uh, they do a $10,000 guarantee with a 5000 for first place guarantee. But they always chop. They're, from what I've been told, they've always wound up chopping it because it's just too much money the difference on, on the pay scale. But they wound up getting like, like 90 a hundred dollar buy in or something. Hundred and fifty dollar buy in. Okay. And uh they got it in. The downs were actually very good for the dealers. Uh, the downs were very good for a half hour down in that tournament's very nice. If all of them could be like that, that'd be wonderful. And there's one more week of that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're doing and another 28th. one this Friday. And yep. I, I would imagine that's going to stay as a staple for them because it's turned out to be very nice. Well, they always did have a great Friday night tournament back when they were up in uh, be, the area behind the uh, highlight court Yeah. Uh, in those days. That was the that was the one tournament that was that you could always count on. So uh, I would think that we a lot of people went there are and saw there. our Levitard tournament there, didn't we? Wasn't yeah. the Dan yeah, Levitard we, tournament we played in there. and everything? We played in that so. a few times. Uh, okay, let's take our last break on the show. We'll uh, finish things up when we come back. Glad to see that you're you're back working and doing what you love. Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure. I want to hope, hopefully, make this room grow big and become very successful. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, and uh, I'm sure you're going to have a great time. Uh, and things will pick up. You know, we know that uh, South Florida, uh, right around Thanksgiving, is when things start to get really nice for a good four months. Weather cools off, and we got that this week for the first time. So really looking forward to it, uh, winter season here in South Florida once again. Yep. Anyway, let's uh, take a break here on the show, but first we'll tell you about Gulfstream Park, which is uh, a little bit south of Dania Highlight, about uh, uh, maybe not more than five miles, yep, uh, located uh, in Hallandale Beach uh, and the corner of Hallandale Beach Boulevard and um, Federal Highway, US-1. So very easy to find, very easy to get to if you want to put it in your GPS. It's 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. But uh, if you're driving there, you'll see the 110-foot-tall bronze statue of Pegasus in the parking lot, which kind of marks the the place and and really is a tribute to the great horse racing that is there year-round. on a, on a regular basis, they run all the horse racing in South Florida, you know, outside of the harness tracks, which is at Pompano, and then uh, you get a little bit of uh, uh, quarter horse racing, the straightaways down at Hylia. But as far as thoroughbred racing goes, this is the place to be in all of the southeastern United States, no question about it. Uh, really nothing matches Gulfstream in a winter season with a great horse racing. The great horses, the great trainers, the great jockeys, uh, the best in the business for about three or four months. So uh, that all kicks off in the month of December. The first week of December will kick off the winter racing season. And uh, they have lots of great promotions involved with the track, including giveaways on the weekends and uh, a great uh, opportunity to take the whole family on a Saturday morning brunch uh, out by the track where you can get a tour of the backstretch and some of the other things that go on that uh, People don't realize it takes so much to put on a great racing product. But uh, as far as poker goes, it's located in the first floor casino, 20 tables in the back of that uh, casino behind the slot machines, and uh, a very nice uh, poker room with lots of TVs to check out all the sporting events, great uh, action, college football on Saturdays, NFL on Sundays, the Monday night, the Thursday night game, and uh, certainly uh, a lot of great games there and a lot of fun. Nice people. Good uh, dealers and uh, staff there, so uh, it's really a fine experience as far as poker goes, and we highly 
suggest that you check it out there. It's located, once again, 901 South Federal Highway. The phone number for the poker room is 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Listen, the World Series is unlike any other event in poker. It's comparable to any other event in, in a major sport where the atmosphere is just hundreds of you know hundreds and thousands of people just who are love poker and love to be there and love to play and love the game and you're surrounded by it for six weeks now six weeks is tough is tough to do not everyone can travel there for six weeks not everyone can necessarily afford to be there for six weeks or want to be there for six weeks but i definitely encourage people to go there and experience what it's like it's hard to explain there's nothing like it it's so fun it's a room i watch people walk in the world series room all the time who have clearly never been there before and they just stop at the entrance for about 30 seconds and just take a look at the room because they're so astonished at the enormity of the room that's our friend chris bolick who uh really has been on kind of a dry spell i know that chris has been playing probably not as much as he was at one point but it's been now two years since he had that deep run uh, 
at Jacksonville. Has it been two it's years? Been 2014. I it was last year. No, 2014. Wow. So it, he really went uh, the last year and a half without really winning anything big, and uh, well, yeah, uh, seemed yeah, a little yeah, frustrated yeah, last time I talked to him. Shows you how tough this business absolutely. is, and how you have to take advantage of those runs. Yeah, because how absolutely. often do we see? People do what Chris did in that time frame where in like four, five, six weeks, you win a tournament, you come in second in another one, you make yeah. it the final table. You win $650,000 in about a month, and you think it's going to last forever, but it doesn't. Well, you think you're going to continue on that run forever, but, right. uh, you know, outside of uh, somebody like Jason Mercier, who we've been mentioning has been in, you know, consistently... Uh, over the last four or five years, w- winning one or two, you know, tournaments every year, you know, he's he's been up there. You know, I uh, look, just look at the run he had this year at the WSOP. Right, no question. Uh, a lot of news that uh, we won't get to tonight. Uh, I was looking at another one of Ed Miller's articles. We maybe we'll get it to it to it next week. Uh, it's called "Taking Advantage of Loose Play," uh, which I could have used when I stopped by that. Uh, uh, Palm Beach Kennel Club uh, a week ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the things I did want to mention, uh, of course, uh, the World Series of Poker gets underway on Sunday in the afternoon, and then they'll play down to four. Monday night will be playing from four to two, and then the, the head-to-head play will take place on Tuesday night. Uh, you got a pick for us? You, I guess you want Cliff Josephy. I'm going to go with Gordon Veo. But I have a feeling that uh, Griffin Benger is going to be challenged uh, with 26 million chips. He's uh, certainly on the lower end of the spectrum at that final table right now. But uh, this guy is a tremendous player. He really is. Well, like I said, I've, I haven't watched enough of it to, you know, to just – I've only picked Cliff because uh the age. I've, I have found him to be very engaging when, he's, when, when they've spoken to him and uh, – I like the fact that he called uh, Kasuf a clown, so <laughs> he won me over there. He had me at clown. Exactly. Uh, Griffin Benger, by the way, had no intention of playing in any World Series of Poker events this summer. Uh, he was working as a commentator for the Global Poker League, and it just so happened that he was playing a little online on Sundays uh, out there in Vegas, and uh, he saw that there was a WSOP main event satellite for on 888 Poker, and it was a thousand dollar, a thousand sixty was the buy-in, and he won it and uh, won a spot into the main event, ten thousand dollar seat, and uh, turned it now into a minimum of a million bucks. Million dollars, yep, it's crazy. Yep. Not bad for a thousand dollar, thousand sixty investment for a satellite. And it's not like he hasn't been there before. He finished three hundred and fourth in two thousand twelve. He finished ninetieth in two thousand fourteen. Now he makes the final table. He's from Toronto. Uh, cool guy and a, a very good poker player. So we'll see what happens. He's won the Pocket Fives Triple Crown six times in his career and uh, won online and live. So we'll we'll see what he is. Uh, that's kind of my prediction of who's going to win, but I'm going to be pulling for Gordon Veo. All right. Well, we'll find out by next Wednesday. Okay. Uh, we'll have all the information on the show next week. Uh, of course, uh you know, check it out, and of course there'll be replays uh, ad infinitum down the year. But uh, you can always pick up some of the previous events if you want to see what uh, led up to the final table by going uh, on demand, ESPN on demand, uh, on the different cable and uh, satellite systems. Uh, pretty fun to watch, and uh, maybe a little too much William Kasuf this year, but certainly uh, 
some really interesting players that we found once again this year, and a tremendous success, and uh, always the great job by not only uh, Lon McCarron and uh, Norman Chad, but uh, you know the other people that chipped in on some of the, uh, uh, the philosophy and the uh, strategy of the game, guys like uh, Phil Locke and Antonio Esfandiari, and of course interviews by... Uh, uh, Kara Scott, who we've also had on the program before. Great people, and uh, it's a tradition that goes year after year out there in Las Vegas. Anyway, that's going to do it for us on the show tonight. Thanks for being with us. We'll uh, work on some guests here in the fall, and of course after uh, the November 9 gets done, we'll have some big tournaments here in South Florida, and we'll talk to some players there as well. Big names uh, always coming down and playing at the Seminole Hard Rock, and have a great time. So uh, looking forward to that. We'll see you on the show next week when we talk World Series of Poker, November 9. It'll be all over when we get back on the show next week. We'll see you then. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 